Mendy here from the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. And if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome players to the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. You came for fantasy content from the gods. Then man, we're here to do it for you. Your host D-Mendy here, I'm in your ear. Joined by some of the best in the business as always. John Van Etten, Eric Mendelson, and Brad Kilgore. John, how was Blue Barbecue, Blue Pit Barbecue this week? Yeah, put some respect on its name. It's really good. Uh, like a lot of barbecue places, sometimes the sides just steal the show. Yeah, I was actually kind of jealous because Diamondback is, doesn't hold anything to Blue Pit Barbecue. <laughs> Ooh, love a good barbecue. Brad, you were jamming out to uh, some throwback jams over the weekend, it looked like. I was, man. I had a nice little quarantine night in, you know, having a little drink, having a little jams, and I had a good time. A lot of a lot of people on Twitter helping your boy out with some, some songs I nerd in a while. Yeah, I woke up the next morning. I had to catch up on, like, all – I was like, all right, I got to see all these jams that people threw at you because some of them, like, brought me back. So that was yeah, man. Cool. And then, Eric, of course, you were kayaking like you've been doing. Uh, how was that? Always good, man. Uh, went with some newbies, so they're the ones crashing into me for a change. Uh, I don't believe that. I feel like it's probably you still crashing into others. Well, you know what you will believe? Different sport, but Frankie Montes has allowed five earned in the first inning. You, oh, you're still go. forgetting that Dylan Bundy has negative six. We'll see at the end of the game. And who was winning before that anyway, so just hang tight, Eric. But anyway, last week we did running backs. Today we're going to go through the wide receiver position. As always, there's going to be controversy, differences in opinion. But each guy is going to get a chance to defend their rankings. And after the rankings, we will do our question of the week. Could you catch a 50-yard pass from an NFL quarterback? And then our game of the week we reveal at the end of the show. But first, let's go to our news and notes. The Washington football team has activated Alex Smith from the pup list. This will be the first time Smith has participated in football drills since his gruesome leg injury happened in November of 2018. Brad, again, I feel like we always start out with the Washington football team as our first news and notes. Does Smith have a chance to start any games this year? Man, I watched the, uh, the video where his family was celebrating him uh, getting activated off of the pup list. And it gave me anxiety. He had like a limp and I'm just like imagining all these, like, I'm imagining like, I don't know, like the Warren Saps of the world, like just taking his leg off and just throwing it around. It's, it's terrifying. I, I just can't see him starting. I'm happy that he can start if needed, but, uh, I think it would be good to give Dwayne Haskins those reps. I think it would be good to kind of let Alex just teach him, and I see no reason for him to get back into it. Eric, he played for your squad back in the day. 
What do you think to project for Alex Smith this year? I read a report that said he doesn't have full control of his foot. And like Brad said, he has a noticeable limp. I mean, this is the NFL where you're playing against the best, the best athletes in the world. The fact that he's made it this far is a miracle in itself, but don't jeopardize your health. You, you've had a good career. You've secured the bag. You know, let, let, let it be a happy ending, and even coming back and working out with the team is good, but don't try and play on it. Why did I bring uh, up Warren Sapp like it was 2007? <laughs> I was wondering, but I didn't feel I like, I was, like yeah, I wasn't going to question it. <laughs> I think I just had like an aneurysm. I don't know what's happening. John, I assume you echo the same sentiments as everybody. I've been saying it. He, he needs to stay away from the football field. Um, and expect like it. it's for this Washington football team, like you're going to risk all this again for this Washington football team that's – unnamed at this point i just don't really see the the risk reward isn't really there that's fair i, kinda, I agree i, I think everybody's the washington football club <laughs> yeah well if they, if they change it to club and make it a little footy thing that would be funny <laughs> i think they're gonna depend on if they do well this year i think they're gonna let it stick i think they're just riding the name on the team's success this year if they stink they're gonna be like let's just leave it in the past let's rebrand again and if they're really good, they're like, hey, everybody's associating this name with a winning team. Let's just keep it. But oh, no, it like, gives me uh, Chris Berman vibes. This Washington football team, I don't I don't think they're going to do much winning. I don't know why he would want to come back. I, guess, I think everybody's hoping that he doesn't play just for the fact that you want him to be able to walk again and stay walking again for the rest of his life and takes one bad hit where you don't know what the heck is going to happen. So I think we're praying for him regardless. Do. He should be on the active roster, but come in for a QB kneel again so he can officially play in an NFL game but not be exposed to any hits. But in, unless Warren Sapp tries to take his head off after. <laughs> what was it, the Giants and Bucks a few years ago when the Giants tried kneeling and the Bucks like tried hitting them? They're like, oh, the game isn't over until it's double zero in the fourth. Like uh, one of the Bennett's do that or something too? Yeah. Let's let's move to the next bit of news here. The 49ers added Tavon Austin, J.J. Nelson, and re-signed George Kittle to a five-year, $75 million extension, 30 of which is guaranteed at signing, 40 for injury, and 18 for a signing bonus. Eric, you guys just lost a receiver this week in Jalen Hurd. First, what do you make of the moves for this team? Love the Kittle extension. Uh, you had to pay the man what he wanted. You knew that he was going to make top of the position money. Uh, with Tavon Austin and J.J. Nelson, I mean, those are two speedsters. We've already lost Debo to injury, and he probably won't be ready for week one. Jalen Hurd is supposed to have a torn ACL. So, you know, in this short offseason with COVID, get as many healthy bodies as you can. And the fact that they're veterans, I think, will help. Yeah, I mean, Kittle has 216 catches for 2,945 yards in his first three NFL seasons, which is the most over that time in NFL history. And he was super efficient in not just that, but he was also led the league in reception yards per route in 2019 at 3.3. And according to PFF, forced 20 missed tackles, which led all tight ends. He's also and, an amazing blocker. And yeah, yeah I was going to say, he actually had the highest PFF grade of all players last year with a 94.1, more than any other player in the league. So his value is immense. I think it was fair that he got paid the top tight end in history, and it showed, so... Great move by you guys, I think. Let's move from Kittle to another great tight end that got paid. 
Kelsey joined the party, and he signed a four-year, $57 million extension with the Chiefs. That will add on to the two current years left on his deal, keeping him in Kansas City for the next six seasons. He's a two, uh, two-time first-team All-Pro and the only tight end in NFL history with four straight 1,000 receiving yard seasons. In his two years with Patrick Mahomes, he has 2,565 receiving yards and 15 touchdowns. Brad, what do you think? Kelsey, I remember you taking Kelsey early in one draft we did together, so you must be a big Kelsey guy. I am a big Kelsey guy. I'm happy he got paid. I think the chemistry between Mahomes and Kelsey is kind of unmatched. And you have, like like you said with Kittle, you have to pay him whatever he wants. But the evil GM in me is kind of like, Mahomes is so good, he's going to make it work with any GM, or I mean, with any tight end. Like, why not just, you know, kind of sub him out for a cheaper tight end and bolster the rest of the team? But I think it's definitely the right thing to do. He'll be 37 when this contract ends. And there have been tight ends, Tony Gonzalez, and a couple others that are have been good older in their careers, but it's a gamble because most of the GM Brett Veach's extensions have been to younger players. This is the first one to an older player because Kelsey's already 31. John, are you? Do you feel the same way as Brad? Do you feel like they should have paid him, or do you think they should have invested that money elsewhere? I think the worst news out of this is that I can't hate Kelsey anymore. I've been a long time Kelsey hater. And then I read that he had, with his new contract, he went and bought a building for, you know, introducing STEM and helping STEM learning and, you know, the city environment. So I, that's the worst news to come out. So I can't hate him anymore. Everybody's always worried about, oh, he'll be 37 at, you know, when this contract ends. I mean, shoot, the salary cap could be a billion dollars by then. The, you know, we could be underwater. I'm not really <laughs> to prognosticate that far into the future. Agreed. Let's move to our next bit here. And Des Bryant, working out with the Ravens. John, I'm going to go back to you. Is this something or is this nothing? I want it to be something. I love it. Put Desi Des on the Ravens, and they are slowly turning into a team that's hard to hate. Des Bryant screams Baltimore Ravens, just the way he plays. Eric, do you agree? Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. He ruptured his Achilles a few years ago. I know he's 31 and that's kind of young, but he's been out of the league for a few years. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how how his body lasts going back into football shape, especially in this weird offseason, too. I mean, if he gets signed, he's going to be thrown in the fire pretty quick. Brad, what do you think? I think if he gets signed, he's going to be a coach to Devin Duvernay and Hollywood Brown. Like, I just don't see this being an impactful signing. Um, I would love to be wrong. I hope he's got a lot in the tank. He hasn't played in a while, so I'm sure he's healthy. And I like Des Bryant. I'm rooting for him. But uh, I just can't imagine him being like a just a stud, a fantasy stud. Do you guys, if he signs with the Ravens, do you guys draft him? Even if it's the last pick in your draft, do you draft him at any pick? It's either Des Bryant or a backup D for me. I, I mean, last pick, if I if he's there at the last pick, got to go big name. I mean, he's no Piotr check, but <laughs> no, not a chance. All right, fair enough. Let's. Well, if you like what you're hearing so far, make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Want to hear more triple play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy baseball show that you can check out, also available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, about truly being the bee's knees and leave us a five-star rating and review. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Triple Play Fantasy. 
Eric and Brad run our social media and provide daily questions, music vibes, gifts to piss you off, and of course, our weekly episode drops. Don't be that friend not invited to the big party, but going as a courtesy invite because the friend actually invited felt bad you were left off the list. Be the friend on the list and listen to us now. I'm Last sorry, week, Jared. That was a clunky metaphor. But <laughs> Sometimes they're a stretch. <laughs> Lastly, tell someone about us. Maybe your neighbor who picked up knitting during quarantine and needs some excitement in their life. They're knitting. They obviously need us. So come on, hook them up, put us on for them. They'll love it. But again, remember, if we want to keep you entertained, but it starts with you. Thank you, the loyal player, for your listens each and every week. Wide receiver rankings. The Trip Play Quad Pod have their top 24 PPR wide receiver rankings up. We're going to dissect them today, and we're going to go like we've been doing. We're going to talk about the top one, guys in the top five, top ten, and outside the top ten. And you know there's going to be some controversy. There's going to be a lot of guys in places you didn't think it were going to be. So let's I don't hate Chris Godwin. <laughs> clear before we get into it? You said you don't hate Chris Godwin? No, I don't hate Chris Godwin. I want to make okay. that clear. Okay, good. We have it cleared up. So now we're going to look at the board. We're going to start right at number one. Who I In my notes a few days ago, I had Michael Thomas is going to be clear across the board. No debate there. And then, of course, <laughs> Brad, you threw that curveball in there. And you have DeAndre Hopkins at number one. I, I have him at number two. And I believe John also had him at number two. But uh, so I believe in his hype. But I, number one, can you explain why you have him over Michael Thomas? All right. So I don't do this on purpose. I'm not trying to like sow discord and like be the guy that gets everyone talking. That's not what I'm trying to do. So I'm a firm believer that QB rankings and wide receiver rankings should be relatively similar. I've got Kyler as my QB one and in his second pro year in a Kinsbury offense. I think we're in store for some huge firepower. We got almost 4,000 yards from Kyler last year, and now D-Hop in the mix. I don't think it's crazy to expect close to 5,000 this year. So 25 to 30% production share for a wide receiver one is is pretty normal, and that puts D-Hop in the 1,200 to 500 or 1,200 to 1,500 yards this year. And for reference, D-Hop was wide receiver five last year, wide receiver one in two, 2018, and wide receiver two in 2017 for PPR. And the cards were also 29th in red zone efficiency last year, so they're going to get they're going to force Fee Hopkins down there, which should lead to touchdown upticks as well. So while it's not consensus that he's number one, I think it should be. Like I, I think he's the clear number one upside pick. I don't know how you can say Michael Thomas after he just let after he just set an NFL record for receptions in a PPR format. Like if this was standard, maybe. But the fact Man, that he had 149 it. catches, like that, that adds up for 149 yards. <laughs> Those plants add up. I hear you, I hear you. But I got I got Drew Brees as like my QB 16 this year. Like I can't in good conscience say that my QB one is going to under his wide receiver is going to underperform my QB 16. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, okay. I mean, go ahead, Eric. No, I was going to say I get it. I mean, I I, I respect the point of uh, rankings kind of being synony- synonymous with the positions, and you have Kyler as your QB1, so 
I like that you're double downing on the Cardinals offense. Doubling down is the way that's pronounced. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm double downing there. <laughs> I might start using double down and <laughs> um, triple play yeah, exclusive. I, yeah. I think I've seen a lot of projections having DeAndre Hopkins for around 140 targets. Or I mean, so I mean if he has 115 catches and leads the league in touchdowns, I don't see why if Michael Thomas has 130 catches, exactly. why the hop can't be one. So I can see your argument for sure. I'm gonna definitely probably go the, the safer floor and go Michael Thomas, but Again, if I saw D-Hop go, I'd, for me personally, I, I can't sit here and, and pick it apart. So I, I like where you're going there. The other players in your top five, though, is interesting because Tyreek Hill, too, isn't crazy. But no. you have a Cooper at number three, Keenan Allen at number four, and Stephon Diggs at number five. Can you explain a couple of those guys, too, of why you have them so high? I'll explain all three for you, daddy All right. So all we right. got Amari Cooper at three. So all four of us have Dak Prescott as a top five fantasy QB this year. He has the ability to do it with his legs, but all of us are projecting a huge year through the air. So last year he was QB two and threw for almost 5,000 yards. So Amari Cooper was wide receiver seven with 1,200 yards. So he accounted for 25% of Dak's production last year. Uh, But Cooper's target share and yardage output will go up um, now that CeeDee Lamb is added to the mix. Well, so that seems counterintuitive, but having an outside threat in the slot, which is where CeeDee Lamb is going to be, is going to open up a lot of offense, a lot on offense, since the safeties are likely going to have to play more shallow, which will lead to more deep balls. And since 2018, Amari Cooper is third in average touchdown catch yards behind George Kittle and Ty Hill at 30 yards. So also since 2015, only three rookies, three rookie wide receivers saw 100 plus targets by year. Uh, DK Metcalf last year, Sterling Shepard in 2016, and Amari Cooper in 2015. So I think Amari Cooper is immensely underrated, and um, CeeDee Lamb doesn't really scare me away from that ranking. I think if if Dak is going to have another 5,000-yard year, I don't think it's crazy to have Amari Cooper in your top three because he's the clear-cut wide receiver one. It's interesting because I we're going to talk about CD Lamb later, so I'll I'll combat that take with uh, my CD Lambs. I'm very high on him. Can, can I say why I'm not as big on Cooper? Go ahead. Really good stats that you brought up, and he does have a very high ceiling. But I'm going to throw out some stats. Last year, he had four games with under 25 receiving yards and four games with over 100 receiving yards. He had double digit targets in four games. There's going to be more competition for touches including CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup, who I think CeeDee Lamb's an upgrade from an aging Randall Cobb. Blake Jarwin, I think, is going to be more active in pass catching than Jason Witten was. Last year, Amari Cooper also had 10 games with five or less targets. Not to mention, he got blanketed by Stephon Gilmore. Zero catches for zero yards on two targets. That, to me, I know Gilmore is regarded as one of the best corners, but the fact that he got blanketed by him you're basically depending on Dak Prescott to be good and not Amari Cooper to create that separation. And and going off of Eric's point, do you really want your wide receiver one, somebody you're worrying about playing every week based on his matchup? That's just not really the way to go. It's just wildly inconsistent, and he drops and he pouts when he doesn't get targets early. John, what's his name? Amari Pooper. There we go. That's the end to be said. <laughs> I, I do want to give you a chance to rebuttal, Brad, but I want to get through a lot of other guys we have. Can you talk to us? I know Keenan Allen you have high, I'm sure, because you have Tyrod Taylor as a top 10 quarterback. 
So let's skip that one. Let's move to Stefan Diggs. Why do you have Stefan Diggs at number five? So the last two years, Steph Diggs has hovered around 1,100 yards, all while having to share the wide receiver one on the team with Adam Thielen. So now he's in Buffalo, and he's the unquestioned number one guy. So you look at what being being the number one guy in Buffalo did for John Brown, and you upgrade him with Steph Diggs. And I think we're in for a career year for Diggs. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of deep balls for Diggs. And if we don't, I found a fascinating stat from uh, Pro Football Focus. Uh, the highest catch rate on contested targets the last three seasons was Diggs with 61%. And Mike Thomas was second with 60%. So he can also be a, percent, a possession receiver if asked to be. And that's going to be gold in the red zone. So I, I really love Steph Diggs this year. Are you not worried about how inaccurate Josh Allen has been with the deep ball in his career? I believe he's the was the worst deep ball thrower in the NFL last season. He's the worst ball thrower, but so if he if he is terrible with the deep ball, again, like he can just be a possession guy. Like I'm fine with ten catches for I don't know, ninety, a hundred yards every week. Like that's that's gonna that's gonna get the job done. I'm still in the mindset Buffalo is where wide receivers go to die. And Look at John Brown. Happening. John Brown created a, a career for himself in Buffalo. He was, I mean, he had a, a good year last year, but I, at the same time, Diggs is the type of guy he's, I, I'm, I will sit here and say I think he's the best route runner in the NFL. Absolutely. And I don't think he gets enough credit for that. But at the same time, he's the type of guy I could see if Josh Allen's missing throws he should make that he's going to be a problem, that Diggs is going to be on the sideline, like, venting and, and upset is going to create a lot of chaos and I just part of me just isn't I don't trust him in that offense I just it's not one of those offenses I see him succeeding well in and again you combine the quarterback that's also going to run a lot in the red zone and a team that that historically last year liked to pound the ball when they were in close so that might limit his touchdown upside uh, it, that just scares me a little bit more I understand I'm just not comfortable projecting like poutiness onto my <laughs> my wide receivers like I, I, I that very well could be the case and he's I, I think he's shown it a couple times in the past but like he pouts because like he's the man like he wants the ball and he wasn't I think the poutiness is coming from like uh he wants the targets and he's gonna get the targets it's not it's not the you know a bad throw that's gonna piss him off it's like man give me the ball like at least try to and Thielen's taking a lot of the shine from him in Minnesota. And I think just being the unquestioned number one guy is going to do wonders for him. I'm just extremely wary of inconsistent wide receivers who you will legitimately have to worry about whether or not you should start them depending on the defense. That That's not who you want at the top of your board. I think that's a, a, valid, a valid argument, and I agree with you. But the risk is what gets you the reward. Like the Michael Thomases of the world that are just going to get you the the 10 catches every week. That's great, but you're going to have to draft him in like the first or second round. You can draft Steph Diggs lower, and you can get a lot more value out of the rest of your team. So he, uh, to me, he skyrockets up the board because I can get maybe, if not 100% of the production of Michael Thomas, I can get, what, 85 90% of it at a lower round. Like that, that's, that's volumes to me. Let's move to another Maryland wide receiver. And, John, you have D.J. Moore yes, ranked number four. And yes, you are high on D.J. Moore this year, but you are really high on him. Can you explain why? Well, I'm much more confident in Teddy Bridgewater than Kyle Allen. I mean, you look at the year D.J. Moore had last year with Kyle Allen throwing him the dang ball, and it's certainly <laughs> an upgraded quarterback. 
So that is a bonus right there. And then you just look at the amount of targets he's going to get. He's pretty much the guy over there. Bridgewater's not really a deep ball quarterback, so they don't have to worry too much about Robbie Anderson, you know, sort of stealing those deep targets because there's there's not going to be too many of them. It's still going to be in DJ Moore's wheelhouse. And as a rookie, he had nine targets. He got 10 plus in eight games last year. I mean, that's more than exponential growth. That's Sean's stat of the night? That's a stat. That's a stat. (laughs) (laughs) You can put it on the board. Mark it down. He's going to improve wildly even over last year. And it's going to be all on you thanking me for picking him early. It's interesting. I mean, he had 1,100 yards with Kyle Allen last year. And he's had he had four touchdowns. And his first year, he had two touchdowns. So you would think that his, his touchdown regression has got to be more positive regression. It's going to go up. And I think Robbie Anderson is going to help him because I think it's going to take the top off the defense and helps him take some pressure off, allow him to kind of go more under in the uh, – Eddie Bridgewater only threw, you know, the deep ball like 7% of the time. He, even if it's there, he's not going to do it. He's going to find DJ Moore. Can I, can I say why I have DJ Moore outside my top 10? Go ahead. So I think the addition of Robbie Anderson is going to help, but I think that takes some targets away. It's a new QB. It's a new scheme in a short offseason. Teddy Bridgewater last year had 28 carries for 31 yards. I know Kyle Allen isn't as good of a passer, but he had 32 carries for 106 yards. Carolina is expected to have one of the worst offensive lines. I think that's really going to hurt Teddy Bridgewater because he's not going to have the time to make the plays that Kyle Allen did using his feet. So I think with the increased competition, the new scheme, and a a non-mobile quarterback, I don't see him getting as many looks this year. It's fair. I mean, he's already being talked about as a top five receiver upside as his top upside, but not every player reaches that potential. You would think that he's going to outproduce his 1,100 yards with a quarterback like Kyle Allen. And again, Robbie Anderson is there, but Robbie Anderson seems to me more of a one-trick pony type of guy. I would be more concerned about Christian McCaffrey, but I don't think he can get any more usage than he did last year. So I would look for more touchdown regression from DJ Moore. Again, I don't know if I could put him at four. I have him in my top 10, but um, again, I think it's a lot of it's going to also depend on how Teddy Bridgewater plays, which, you know, we saw him with the Saints, but it's a whole different offense. So we'll have to see how he does in this offense. Yeah, you saw him in the Saints. He was in a new offense and he did well. Yeah, the Saints had one of the best offensive lines and coaches. I know uh, this is the wide receiver podcast, but uh, how long do you think Christian McCaffrey's career is going to be? Is he getting anywhere near the same amount of touches he got last year? Let's say for the next two years, he averages the same amount of touches. Four more years then. Wow. Really? I'll say I'll say two more really productive seasons and then two to three years of him kind of wavering in the league. Because he's injured or what? Just I think when you get that much of a workload, it takes its toll on you. And it, it's not like he's uh, – I mean, he's, a, he's an athletic and, and strong guy, but once he loses his quickness, uh, he's going to be in trouble. So you think he got his last big contract? I think he retires by Kukli's age. Oh, wow. Yeah, you might be right. I agree with you all. I, I just don't know. I, he's, he's, like a he's a smart guy. They have to bring their, his usage down gradually, I think. I don't think you can have him do what he did last. 100 and 100 is a lot. 
Think of how many times you get tackled when you're getting a hundred catches and and a hundred uh, and rushing the ball over a hundred. Or I, I don't know how many carries he had at the top of my head last year, but that's a lot of times to be. I don't want to be tackled once. Right. <laughs> Let's move to other guys in the top ten, Eric. The first thing I'll have you talk about, and a lot of us, three of the four of us actually have this, Mike Evans over Chris Godwin. I think a lot of people have been talking about Chris Godwin over Mike Evans. Can you explain why you chose Evans over Godwin? Yeah, well, Mike Evans has six 1,000-yard seasons to start his career. He's the only wide receiver that's done that. Uh, I think that he's a wide receiver that's QB-proof. And this is just kind of a, a gut call. I think Tom Brady hasn't had a big wide receiver weapon since Randy Moss, and I think he enjoys taking those shots down the field. I think Chris Godwin is going to be more that Edelman type where he's a security blanket, but I think Tom Brady is going to take a lot of shots downfield, and Mike Evans is going to be the guy to have those 50-50 jump balls for. So, you know, I I just see Brady having more of a rapport with him, not anything that stats-wise to prove it, but just kind of gut feeling that, Evans has done this for six years, and Godwin is coming off his first thousand-yard season. You gotta yeah, let me jump I, in, Dave. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> I don't have Chris Godwin in my top twenty-four. And it's not. I know. I know. What did, what did Chris Godwin, Godwin do? Hate, did, he, did he try to hit on your woman? No, he did nothing. He did nothing. He's a nice guy. I don't think Godwin is bad. That's not my take. I just think Chris Godwin is the OBG equivalent of last year. OBJ, sorry. So uh, OBJ finished wide receiver 25 in PPR last year. So when I think of Chris Godwin, I think of an impeccable route runner who is constantly beating his man downfield on the deep ball. He was top 10 in the league in yards per route and received a large target share. Problem is, Jameis Winston is no longer at the helm. Jameis was second in the NFL last year in air yards per attempt at 10.5 yards. Tom Brady averaged only 7.6 yards. So that means on average, Tom Brady throws the ball 40% shorter than Jameis on every attempt. I think that will mean a few things for Chris Godwin, actually. So he's going to get less targets as a deep threat, shorter routes, less yards for him, and more love for Tampa Bay possession receivers, tight ends, and running backs out of the backfield. I could be wrong, of course, but I I think only one Tampa Bay wideout is going to be in the top 24 this year. And I'd bet on Evans to be that for exactly the reasons that that Eric mentioned. Yeah, I think it's interesting, too, because I heard that they were moving Chris Godwin to the outside. And if you look at his statistics, they're a lot worse on the outside than the slot. He he thrives in the slot. And if they take him out of there and they have Gronk and Scotty Miller inside the slot instead, um, when I saw that, that kind of scared me a little bit. Um, And when I say like he's not in my top 24, I mean, like he's like. 25 or 26 i just i just don't see it for him as like a wide receiver one there we go he's hedging a little bit well i'm saying like i don't i don't hate the dude i don't hate him (laughs) eric someone else that's all close to come eye in your top 10 odell beckham you have his number seven you have him bouncing back in a big way this year and he's still i still have a love-hate relationship with him after the year he gave me last year so can you explain why you see a bounce back from odell yeah, well, I think if you asked everybody a year, year and a half ago, and you said top five wide receivers based on talent, everybody had Odell Beckham in there. He's had a 1,000 yards every season he's been healthy, besides the one where he had the ankle issue. So even though he had an ugly last year, he still had a 1,000 yards. 
I think there's going to be better play calling. Cleveland improved their offensive line to hopefully give Baker more time to throw. Jarvis Landry's battling some hip issues, so don't know if he'll eventually miss a game this year for once. Last year, Odell Beckham had four touchdowns, so I think that's going to improve. One was an 88-yard slant, or a slant that he took 88 yards against the Jets. And I think that's his kind of upside. There's very few players in the league that can do that. Uh, And he had double digits targets in six games last year. And he had more than five targets in every game. So a consistent uh, target share that he's getting. And I think, just like you mentioned with DJ Moore touchdowns, I think Cleveland is going to be better offensively. And hopefully he's a recipient of that. Anybody in Cleveland scares me. Because you have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt sharing carries. They're going to get some catches. Then you also have Austin Hooper just got signed to the biggest contract for a tight end until Kittle and Kelsey just passed him. But when you sign him for that type of money, it's not to just block. He's going to get catches. And then they also, again, Jarvis Landry will be back there at some point next year, even if he starts out the year on the pup list. And, again, it's just there's so many mouths to feed in that offense. not saying Odell Beckham can't be good. But to say he's top 10, I think there's just so many other weapons. And, and Kevin Stefanski, he's coming from Minnesota, who was one of the top running offenses last year. You can see he likes to run the ball. And that scares me again because Odell Beckham, yes, he's going to be the top wide receiver, but there's a ton of other guys on that offense with a run-first coach. So uh, I don't think I could put him that high just personally. When you run the ball, it opens up play action, which is OBJ time. That's fair, I, but again, are you you're so you're gonna reach and take him if you have him as a top ten. You're probably means you're taking him in the third round. You're comfortable taking him that high as your potential wide receiver one. Oh yeah, I would love if I could get him in the third round. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay, fair enough. A couple guys that we have in the John and I have this guy in the top ten, and you guys have him still as a wide receiver one, but just outside the top ten. Kenny Galladay, uh, I think. He needs to have some respect on his name this year because he last year he was first in touchdowns and seventh in receiving yards, but he was 25th in targets. I'll say that again. He led the league in touchdowns, seventh in receiving yards, but 25th in targets. He was used in the red zone and the clear number one in this offense, and he did this half a season with David Blau and Jeff Driscoll. Matthew Stafford is in my top 10 this year, just like kind of Brad, how he said with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. I think Matt Stafford is a top 10 QB. And in his career with Matt Stafford, Kenny Galladay, uh, last year through eight games was on pace for 124 targets. And then the year before that had 119 targets in 15 games. And this is, again, as I mentioned on the running back episode, Matt Patricia has only had two times the running backs had 15 or more carries. So this is a team that's going to air it out. And if you say Matthew Stafford is healthy all season, which you have to assume everybody's going to be healthy the whole season, Kenny Galladay going from 25th in targets to even in the top 10, can you imagine what he's going to do? So to me, I'm going to have a hard time passing on him in the second round if he's if he falls to me. I'm that high on him. I think he's he could easily be a top five wide receiver this year. David, I also want to put an alert. It's a contract year alert. Oh, see? There we go. He's he's in the final year of his rookie deal. wants to get paid. Even more reason. I have a little pushback on that. And once again, we're talking about PPR. So he had 65 receptions last year. They're going to have a similar wide receiver core with Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola, 
TJ Hawkinson, um, double digit targets in only two games and Stafford. That was one of them was when Stafford played and he had 11 touchdowns. And I think that's going to regress a little bit as well. I don't think you can expect him to have double digit touchdowns every year. I think with wide receivers, it's more varying each year as opposed to running backs where it's like, okay, they're in the five, they're going to punch it in with Zeke or Saquon. So I like his, I like my mama so much. What do you say? Why do you guys like Michael Thomas so much? Because it's going to be wide huge... receivers are varying every year. I mean, they are, but he's, he's about as safe. <laughs> he's about as safe as a bet as it comes. Well, again, let me ask you this, Eric. He had in his last two years, he's had seventy catches and sixty-five catches. Again, seventy was uh, with Matthew Stafford there most of the year. But he was on pace, again, target-wise, he had 119, then well, on pace for 124. He's had over 1,000 yards the last two years. And is averaging in his career over 16 yards a catch. That's through over three seasons. So when you have three seasons of evidence averaging over 16 yards a catch, he's super efficient. Imagine actually giving him wide receiver screens to get him some easy catches, which I think they'll program for him this year. And he has 11 touchdowns. Maybe say it goes down to eight, but then he gets – uh, 15 more catches and gets 80 catches this year. I don't think that's unrealistic. And keep in mind, you talked about TJ Hawkinson. He's still struggling uh, from ankle surgery in the offseason. They're not sure he's going to be ready for the start of the year. So you did, you did say you're worried about Marvin Jones and Danny Amendola. I only see their targets going down. They're only older at this point, only another year older aging up. He's the one who's young coming onto the scene, ready to get more targets. I mean, I have Kenny Galladay at 12, so he still technically is a wide receiver one for me. But I think when you're talking about full PPR, you want to go with people that are going to get, you know, guaranteed close to 100 receptions. If you're talking about it's 65 and 70 and it's like, oh, what if he stretches it to 80, but his touchdowns are likely going to regress? I think you're still keeping him in that fringe wide receiver one. Maybe has some boom top five weeks, but I don't think consistently is going to give you that production that you're thinking. I'll Let's say David on. actually he might have you might have swayed me a little bit with that efficiency stuff. I um <laughs> I have him at I have him at a wide receiver twelve as well, but I think when you have a guy that's that efficient and he has that kind of rapport with Matt Stafford, there's no reason not to program to get him more touches. I think it makes a lot of sense to have him kind of have a have a leak gear, have him go uh upwards in touchdowns and receptions and and move up a little more in the top 10 range. I think that makes a lot of sense, actually. I appreciate that. Let's talk about another guy that is kind of different in the top 10 here. And Allen Robinson, who's arguably playing with the worst quarterback in the league right now, Mitch Trubisky. He's in the top 10 for Eric and John. He's outside the top 10 for Brad and myself. Brad, I'll start with why you have him outside the top 10. And John, why don't you counter why he is in your top 10? So he's he's not even in my top twenty-four. Um, <laughs> even better. There you go. <laughs> you you mentioned it perfectly. I I think he's a great receiver. He's just in a terrible situation. Trubisky's not. I'm not going to say he's not good, but he didn't have a good year last year. And if he doesn't have a good year, starting out with like what the first three or four games this year, he's probably going to get benched. To which Nick Foles is going to be the guy. To which I. Like, how are you supposed to be excited about any wide receiver in this core? They can't get any chemistry. They can't move the ball downfield. Like, I just – I see the Bears as being, like, a horrible team this year. Yeah. John, what is your rebuttal? 
Well, he saw 150 targets uh, last year, which is insane. Uh, he's going to be the the option, the number one option, the number two option. And I don't expect Mr. Trubisky to play too many games at all for the Bears. I think that's going to be Nick Foles' team, you know, very soon into the season moving forward. And with that, that improves the quarterback play. And while the connection may not be there, just by virtue of being the really the only option on offense with a better quarterback, he's going to have a much better year than last year. And he's shown with Blake Bortles and Mr. Trubisky a couple years ago that he can have, you know, top 12 years, you know, with – mediocre quarterback play he was also top the top wide receiver in snaps played last year and according to john contract year status Ooh, Uh, it still scares me with playing with the bears offense but he also also in 2018 he was the wide receiver 40 like i if you look at his body like i'm more inclined to say that he had a great year last year as opposed to like he's this world-beating receiver. Like I, I just don't see it with them. They're just too inconsistent. They don't have a good quarterback situation. He can get 150 targets, but if only 60 of them are accurate, like what's the use? It's a fair point. Let's kind of digress. Let's go to outside the top 10. And I need to start with this guy because this guy is just a monster. And Eric talked to me before the show and said we were going to have a pushback on this. I have A.J. Brown at 12. Ooh. Eric, you you are not that. None of you guys are as quite as high on AJ Brown. Eric, you said that you had some rebuttals for me. So why don't you tell me why he shouldn't be so high in the rankings? Okay, well, uh, Tennessee is a run first team, and I think they're the quarterback play with Tannehill definitely improved over Mariota. I don't know if they'll be as good this year. Last year, AJ Brown only had double digit targets in one game. He had six catches that went fifth for fifty or more yards. So this, those six catches went for 373 yards, which was 35.5% of his total yards. I think that's really tough to repeat. And he also had a touchdown on 15.4% of catches, which, again, I, I don't think is likely to continue. I know Corey Davis is out, and that would mean increased targets for um, A.J. Brown, as you're smiling very ugly at me. But I think that that also means that he's going to be the focal point of the defense. And if anything happens to Derrick Henry, he gets hurt, he misses some time, he's the only threat on that team, and I think we'll get neutralized. Eric, I would like to thank you for your statements. They don't go unnoticed, so I just, I just appreciate you, okay? Oh, thank so, you, David. Let me spit some stuff for you. Let's start out that he was wide receiver three for the rest of the year after he started playing in Week 10. He had a 14 A dot, which is an average depth of target and a 25% target share. So he was basically the A dot, the average depth of target. He was getting the ball about 14 yards downfield, but he was seeing a quarter of the targets thrown. I would think that he'll be a lot more in wide receiver screens and short slants this year, which will bring his A dot down, which is good. And he's going to have a lot more catchable balls and not just be a play action wide receiver this year. His target share was a, was a massive, was massive as a downfield threat, similar to Mike Evans numbers. And he can do that. But again, you can argue he only caught 59 balls from week 10 on, and you could say the numbers you were saying. But again, keep in mind, they only threw the ball 400 times once he started playing, which is not a a pace an NFL team can do. 400 times for the last seven weeks of the season is not a lot. And they were averaging. You said he started playing week 10? 
Week 10 is when he started, like, actually getting on the field for the full game when he was, like, actually getting full snaps. He had three for 100 the first week, three for 25. Well, if you look at his snap percentage, Eric, he wasn't a full-time player then. He was a full-time player in week 10. And he was also... Like, do you think that's lucky, or do you think he's just the man like that? Well, they also, the Titans averaged 7.3 yards per play, which, again, is a massive number. But you look at his numbers last year. 52 catches for 1,051 yards and eight touchdowns. And looking at other rookies, their rookie season, A.J. Green had 1,057 yards and seven touchdowns. Julio Jones had 959 yards in 13 games. Andre Johnson had 976 yards and four touchdowns. This guy, to me, is going to join that class of receivers. And he, again, you're, you brought it up, Corey Davis is his biggest competition for catches. Well, he's not even fully healthy right now. and. You say that you say that Buffalo is the place where wide receivers die, but who was the last good wide receiver <laughs> in Tennessee? Kenny Britt for like two games yeah, before Derek Mason. Fair. We have to go back to two thousand four. To be fair, how did he look with Tannehill last year? That was a good half season. I'd okay, like but he, he's, he's, is he still with that same quarterback? That's that's fine. I mean, John is Brown Tana had the same quarterback, and you, and you dismiss that point. I'm look again. What I'm saying is, this is a guy you could say in a run-first offense with not many other receiving options that didn't change any time going into this year. He still had over a thousand yards and eight touchdowns, which compared very similar to AJ Green his rookie season. And again, his if you have a 14A dot where you're basically getting the ball that far downfield, and he wasn't even getting wide receiver screens and short slants, which is very good for PPR. And I've already heard them talk about him using him more in that way. Um, sky's the limit for this kid. He's just a beast. He's a, the Derrick Henry of receivers. If you look at him, he's just a monster. And obviously they're going to have to regress Derrick Henry's usage. You can't have him literally carrying the ball 30 times a game. Like he was at the end of last year. So, which means they're going to have to throw the ball more. Who gets the benefit of that? It's going to be A.J. Brown, the guy that – the quarterback that's playing this year looked for 25% of the time he threw the ball. I'm all in on A.J. Brown this year, and I know I'm not the only one in the industry to say that, so I'm not going to act like I'm unique, but Ooh. I'm 100% in on this guy. In the industry, he says. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, uh, much. I'm with Eric on this one. Um I, I just I think you have to operate on the assumption that Ryan Tannehill is good to like have any any sort of confidence in AJ Brown at at the ranking that you have him, and I, that's just hard for me to do. Like if I if I have to bet on a quarterback to repeat his success from last year, it's not going to be Ryan Tannehill. That's fair. I mean, we can differ on that. This will be fun to look back on. And again, I'll, I might look super silly for saying AJ Brown's a wide receiver one or. You know, I might look really smart, but we'll see. Let's move to another guy that I want to talk about here. And Eric, um, you have Robert Woods as high as 10. So can you talk about why you have Robert Woods higher than all of us? Yeah, so he's been a top 15 PPR wide receiver the last two years. Brandon Cooks is gone. Todd Gurley's gone, who got some pass catching. Um, last year, he had only two end zone targets. So I see that improving as well. Double-digit targets in six out of the 15 games. The only game he missed was for a personal issue, so he's been pretty durable. He had four games below eight targets, so at least not at least eight-plus in the majority of the season. And he also had 17 carries last year, and one of them was for a touchdown. So 
you can figure once a, once or twice a game he's going to get a touch via end around, um, I, which you can't say for all wide receivers. And I think I, Sean I really McVay's a wide receiver's rushing stats for 100 yards over the course of a season should play any factor in your decision to draft them or not. It totally does, because if he's getting at least one end around a game, even if he's getting blanketed by a cornerback, you know that he's probably going to touch it. That big thing wants to get him involved. Five, five yards out of it and, and not a point for PPR. I really don't see – I he, really don't – I would not put all my eggs in the – Robert Woods is going to rush me to a title basket. He's not, but if he gets a five-yard end around, which turns for a touchdown like he did last year in a game, I mean, yeah, you're so going to take that, that's going to, that's going to salvage his day right there if he gets a touchdown and does very little on the receiving end of that. I just think McVay is very creative, and he's going to find ways to get him the ball, uh, especially with Brandon Cooks going. Who's yours next, Brad? Uh, talk about a couple of these guys. You have Hollywood Brown at 15, AJ, Gra- AJ Green at 16, and Julian Edelman at 22. Can you talk about a couple of those guys for us? I'll go to uh, Green and Edelman. So I got uh, Green at 16. The man's finally healthy. Uh, there's an asterisk since he recently set out the second half of practice, but it doesn't look <laughs> to be anything serious. Uh, I think there is a huge recency bias here against A.J. Green. He hasn't played in a while, so people are scared to project the great and see what's brought on to him this season. Uh, to me, there's a reason why the Bengals put the franchise tag on him this year and paying him about $18 million. It's because they know he's good, and they just want to make sure before signing him to a long-term deal, his last long-term deal probably. Um, so last time we got a full A.J. Green season, he was wide receiver 10 in 2017. And I think with Joe Burrow, we're going to see a lot more slinging. So I don't think it's crazy to have the wide receiver one for the Bengals at wide receiver 16 this year. I'm even right. that dis- – yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. I thought you were done. Keep going. No, no. I was just going to say I'm even discounting his latest season by putting him at 16. I, I was just curious. There's a huge disconnect between Des Bryant, he went in touch with a 10-foot pole, and A.J. Green, who has also missed a lot of time recently – even though A.J. Green is a year older. Well, Des Bryant's going to go to the Ravens, who don't throw to wide receivers. <laughs> like, it's going to be the tight end who gets all the love. And the Bengals are going to be probably one of the worst teams in the league, so it's just going to be constant throwing. And Joe Burrow, from what we've seen in college, is pretty accurate. So while they're going to be losing, I think they're actually going to be giving a lot of like garbage time points to their receivers. So I like I don't have a problem with putting AJ Green who's going to be a wide receiver one on the team at at sixteen, and you're not going to have to draft him. You're also not going to have to draft him high because everybody's down on him. You can yeah, draft him I'm like saying, the, the eighth round. And AJ Green are comparable, but I I just thought it was no. I hear you. No, it's a good point. You're not. You don't want to get near one, but it's 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 a good point. It's just because of the situation. Brad, the other guy you had, Julian Edelman. My concern was that he's only played three 16-game seasons in his career. And at the point where you're drafting, there's a lot of receivers, young receivers with upside. And one stat I saw is Cam Newton has never had a receiver with 80 catches, which Edelman prides himself on being able to get 100 grabs. So are you concerned that with that history of Cam Newton and his wide receivers, along with the injury risk, and I know you don't factor that in, but – um, also, the where he's being taken with the receivers that have young upside, um, does that impact your decision for Julian Edelman at all? It's interesting. Uh, Cam Newton's 
wide receiver history actually makes me comfortable with Julian Edelman. So uh, when Cam Newton came into the league, Steve Smith was 32, and he proceeded to have three 1,000-yard seasons with Cam. Julian Edelman is in a similar part of his career. Uh, when Cam Newton there is about to enter his life, he's turning 34 this year and coming off of a 1,000-yard season. So he's largely a possession receiver in my view, so I'm not worried as much with timing issues of having a new QB. Last time Cam was healthy, he threw for 3,300 yards and ran for 800. I'm expecting a similar season from him through the air this year. And as the clear-cut number one wide receiver in New England, I don't think it's crazy to expect Edelman to have a 25 to 30% share of Cam's passing output, which would translate to another 1,000-yard season, while also being expected to be frequent in the red zone targets. So I think Julian Edelman's going to be very overlooked this year. Have they talked about if Edelman's going to get any discipline for – didn't he get arrested in the off season? I think he did, but uh, he's white, so he'll be all right. like a <laughs> You let that slide in Boston, John. I want to finish this up with you. And there are two guys I want you to talk about. You have Terry McLaurin at twelve over Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and then you also have Henry Ruggs at twenty-four. Well, I'll I'll touch on both briefly. With Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, I am not high on Tom Brady at all this year. I think he has reached well. He didn't look good last year. And with everything going on, I am not banking on him to have even near the same output as Jameis Winston, which impacts my ranking of both those guys. I think Terry McLaurin is going to be the clear-cut number one in Washington, and he's going to get an absurd target. And similar to A.J. Green in Cincinnati, they're going to be throwing the ball while they're behind, even if – the Redskins do, or the uh, Washington football team does tend to run it a bit more than the Bengals probably will. But just on, on volume alone, uh, I put him above those two specifically uh, because they're impacted by Brady is, and his down downturn. And then I love to talk some Henry Ruggs, smooth as I figured. So pretty much. I heard, um, I heard he wore a bathrobe at draft night. Yeah, and he looked damn good. I, you can't really – throw stats at the wall because, you know, college stats, who cares? Uh, But we've seen him turn, you know, these slants at Alabama into long touchdown plays. And I said it on our AFC West preview. If there's one thing Derek Carr likes to do, he likes to throw a short slant and let the receiver do the the rest of the work. So that's right in Ruggs' wheelhouse. And John Gruden is going to be chomping at the bit to make sure that he looks like he chose the white ride receiver and the right. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think he's white. (laughs) The right wide receiver in the draft uh, because everybody's been probably been, he's been reading online. Oh, maybe they should have done Judy. Maybe they should have done, should have done lamb. He wants to prove himself right. And that's going to get him targets. There's going to be designed plays. People forget John Gruden spent an entire off season designing plays for a speedster in Antonio Brown and pretty much had to throw it out. So he'll get to dig some of those back up. Hey, John, I, uh, in our, in our dynasty league, I drafted Lim Bowden. Yeah. How do you feel about him? I love him. He's going to be, he's, he's a better Taysom Hill in my opinion. Okay. And just for right. the record, John believes in Henry Ruggs so much. He already ordered a Henry Ruggs jersey. Henry Ruggs the third. Um, <laughs> get it right. I get big Ty Hill vibes from Henry Ruggs. Could be. I think that's why they drafted him to be to compete with us. But and, and John Gruden wanted a speedster. He's been wanting one. He's got him. He, he spent all last year wishing he had someone other than 
Tyrell Williams and Hunter Renfro to throw the ball to. <laughs> Great discussion, guys. That was some good wide receiver breakdown. Again, our full rankings will be up on the Triple Play Fantasy Twitter page. So make sure you guys check those out. You comment, see what your thoughts are on our picks. But let's move to our question of the week. So for those that have been tuning in for a long time, you know that our question of the week is usually not sponsored by something. And John will tell us who we're not sponsored by. That is no more. We now have an actual sponsor that our good buddy John is super excited to read, talking about keeping our man regions well kept. So, John, why don't you tell us about our new sponsor? Yeah, I mean, you know, support for the Triple Play Football Fantasy Show is brought to you by Manscaped, trademark, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped, they have these precision-engineered tools. They obsess over their technology. They're always in the R&D department. They're like the Dyson vacuum cleaners of trimmers. Um, (laughs) So pretty much, you know, they say, you know, you trim the bushes to accentuate the tree. You know, that's how Nick Foles got his nickname. You know, it's just a little precision trimming from Manscaped. And they've completely redesigned the electric trimmer. They spent 18 months, 18 months doing this, uh, creating their new lawnmower trademarked 3.0. It's a lawnmower. It's a their third generation trimmer, 3.0, has a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. When I tell you that... This is good. This lasts 90 minutes, so you can have a longer shave. If you're taking long, I like that. You need to buy a second lawnmower 3.0 because what are you doing for an hour? It's also waterproof, so hey, you can use it in the shower. It has an LED light which glows for more precise trimming. Oh, I need that. Upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with Quiet Stroke trademark technology, which just happens to be David's nickname in college. And let's not forget, they have a charging stand, so you can just pluck it, and it's got, you know, it's powered by a USB cord. It's simple as that. If you're listening to me talk about this right now, I want you to try it yourself. Trim that junk of yours. That's their slogan. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TRIPLEPLAY at manscaped.com. Guys, it's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code TRIPLEPLAY. Awesome. Well, Our question of the week sponsored by Manscaped. If you caught a ball, a deep ball from an NFL quarterback, let's say 50-yard bomb, do you think you could catch it? So, Eric, I'll start with you for this question. Yes, uh, but I have small hands, so it would definitely be a chest catch. Who's who's a player that always does chest catches that people are like, oh, you're an NFL player, supposed to bring it in? I don't don't know. know. I'd be that player. (laughs) alligator arming it or something yeah john would you be able to catch it oh if i'm uncovered yeah like this is on the quarterback at that point to make sure he hits me not the other way around you know what i mean if i'm uncovered i'm loose in the end zone yeah i can catch the ball it's on the quarterback to get it to me brad you think you could catch if i get one of those uh Peyton Manning, last year of his career, just 50-yard ducks. I could, I could catch that one. It's like catching a fly ball. But if it's if it's a, a Pat Mahomes laser, I don't know. 
Yeah, that was my thought too. Or what about if it was a uh, we actually had to run a route like a a, a fly route and you had to catch it over the shoulder? I'm already open. I'm not tracking the ball on the lights in the air or anything. I am already open and I'm standing in my. <laughs> I think it's interesting. Go ahead. We got to test out these. Uh, we got to test out these questions one day. Is that an NFL team just pick us up? Team to allow it, I guess. <laughs> They'll be our next sponsor. Our next, our next guest. We'll just we'll go to a field somewhere and have them just cover us. That'd be perfect. Well, let's not without further ado. Let's go to our last segment, our game of the week. And for this week, I'm in charge of the game, and our game is who we play for. Guys are always changing teams. It's your job to tell me who this guy plays for. I'm not a, uh, a beanie. Huh? Currently or in the past? This is current. Okay. So I'm not going to be a, a dick and give you guys a lineman. So these are all players that are not – don't play on the line. And you get one point if you name the player in the right conference and two points if you get the answer correct. So every answer is worth three points. And I only gave the, the point for the correct conference because if none of you guys actually get where they are, I want to make sure someone could win the game. So you guys are in charge of keeping track of your own scores. All right. First guy, we're going to do Eric, John, Brad, and then John, Brad, Eric, and so on. Eli Apple. So I say the division, or I just say the team. You say, what, you say what team you played for, and if you get the conference right, you get a point. If you get the team right, that's an extra two points for three total points. So wait, the team that he plays for now? The team he plays for right now. You're the New Orleans Saints. John. Oh, I said Saints. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, no. I'm also going Saints. He's probably wrong. David's smiling. <laughs> well, you guys all get a point in the, for the NFC, but he plays for the Carolina Panthers. Okay. I, I, Did he, he play was there all, last year? He was on no, the Saints last year, but he signed with the Panthers okay. this year. All right. So make sure you keep track of your own scores. He was on the Raiders for two weeks, and then the contract didn't get through. Number two, Geronimo Allison. John, you start this one. Ooh. Oh, I just saw that he's he's on a different team now, too. Uh, Rams. Brad? Packers, but I know that's wrong. <laughs> Lions, and do I get an additional point for saying he opted out? No, you don't get an additional point, but you are correct. It is the Detroit Lions. He was obviously with the Packers last year, but it was pretty recently he actually signed with them, but he did opt out. So... Again, I think Eric's in the lead, but keep track of your own scores. Number three, Jeff Driscoll. Who starts? Brad starts this one. Jeff Driscoll. I think I just saw this. Uh, Is he he with the Broncos? That's your guess? Broncos is my guess. Eric? Um... I'm going to go Bengals. Oh, that sucks. I was stuck between both those teams, and now I don't know who to go from. I'll go. Think it's smarter, Eric or Brad? I'll go Broncos. Brad sounded like he had heard it somewhere. 
John, your gut is correct. Glad there you, you are go. There you <laughs> it is go. the Broncos. <laughs> it is the backup for the Broncos. Number four, Philip Dorsett. Eric, you start. Seahawks. Go ahead, John. Seahawks as well. And Brad. I feel like this is a trick question. I'm going to go Patriots still. Ooh. You guys are correct, Eric and John. It is the Seahawks. Oh. Is they're technically their third wide receiver right now. I will say this. Everybody's in a different – the guys I picked are all with different teams than they were with last year. Oh, that would have been fun to throw in a trick one. <laughs> no, I wasn't going to do that to you guys. I'm uh, Maybe I should do that next time. How many, how many questions are there? There's ten. Okay. Number five, Ty Montgomery. Ooh. Who's up? John's up first. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Rams. <laughs> That's your go-to. They had to fire somebody. Brad, I know this one. Oh, uh, I shouldn't say that. It's Saints. Eric? <laughs> uh, I I thought it was Saints as well. <laughs> sure, you now, now you're very sure. That is correct. It is the New Orleans Saints. Okay. Their third string running back as of right now. This next one's near and dear to your heart, Brad. Number six, Colt McCoy. He's still oh, in the league? He is. Wow. All right. Um, I'm going to go. Bengals. Eric? Um, Giants. It, it, it's Giants. I know it's Giants. It is Giants. You guys are correct. It is the Giants. I don't know how you guys knew that, but that was yeah, impressive. Because he stayed in the division. I, I know. I just saw like an article or something that said it was funny that he went to the Giants. John's got a uh, Colt McCoy Google alerts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Keeping the Redskins theme going. Full 45 Google alerts, but it just. <laughs> <laughs> Number seven, Samaje Pirine. Eric, you start. Wow. Um, Samaje Pirine. That's a name. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Titans. I want to say he's on the Jets. I want to say Dolphins. It's the first one. Everybody's incorrect. It's on the Bengals. Ah, well, at least I get the point for AFC. That's the that was the biggest cop out. You have a 50-50 shot at getting a point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I was worried that you guys weren't going to get any of these, and then I'm like, well, I shouldn't have done that. We but didn't get Eli Apple right either. Oh, that's right. You're right. Um, number eight. Keeping the Redskins theme again. DJ Swearinger. Man. Oh, damn. He was on the Raiders last year. <laughs> Cardinals? Eric? I think he plays for the Cardinals. John? He's on the Broncos. <laughs> That's another offer. He's on the New Orleans Saints. Ah. Oh, I don't think – no points for John on that one. We got two left. Number nine, Wendell Smallwood. Eric, go ahead and start it off. 
I'm super surprised he's not still on the Eagles. It's not my, it's not my time to start, but all right. Um, I'm going to say the um, – hmm. I'm going to say the Jets. John? Rams, baby, Rams. <laughs> Steelers, right? You are correct, Brad. He is on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, this is a very under-the-wire transaction, but uh, he is there. All right, last one. Number 10, Laquan Treadwell. Former, former Vikings great. John, you lead Not it off. Chance. That's a trick question. I know it. It's a trick question? Yeah. Uh, you get to guess. I was going like to say the XFL or something. He is in the league. I will say that. I didn't give you an XFL player. Jets. What do you think, Brad? I'm going to go Ravens. Eric? I'm going to go Texans. You guys are all incorrect. He actually is on the Atlanta Falcons. Oof. The Atlanta Falcons. That is all 10. Again, one point for the right conference, two points extra if you've got the player for a total of three possible points for each question. So it's out of 30. So, Eric, you started it out. What did you finish with? 17. John? Sitting on a lucky number 13. And Brad? I was not contract. <laughs> well, in that case, I, I'm, it was between you and Eric, but since Eric kept his score, I think gonna, I won. We're gonna. It was close. It was Brad the Wendell Smallwood at the end? I think made it close. <laughs> I'll give it to but, Eric. I, I'd like to take this FaceTime to thank Frankie Montes for giving up nine earned in one point two innings, a solid negative twenty two, probably negative twenty seven when he gets the loss. God Where's bless the end, Frankie. End call shooting. button. End call button. And we also have a fantasy baseball podcast, so tune in to the bee's knees. I just wish Good. the listeners could have seen David's face when he looked at his phone. His eyes literally bugged out, like if Patrick Mahomes retired or something. It was great. This is a bad way to end a podcast. I was mocked, and I was ridiculed about Frankie Montas. This is not the way and I want Eric to won the game. Yeah, and Eric won the game. What a, the worst way to end this show. God. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed everything except the last 60 seconds of this show. Tune in next week. We will be going over our tight ends. And then after that, we got real football, baby. We'll be back, and we'll be bringing you great stuff during the season. So tune in next week for tight ends. Check out our wide receiver rankings. That will be up on our Twitter page. And look for this episode uh, to be coming on your podcast feed. It'll be on there real soon. So until then, we're signing off. Anything you guys want to say before we get out of here? I think it's three weeks till football season, David, not two. Is it three? Yeah. Another way to depress me. Okay. Three weeks. <laughs> I want to say uh, make sure to watch Hard Knocks so you can see the Austin Eckler hype. And the live tweeting that Brad does, that's epic. Everybody, enjoy some time outside because in the next couple weeks, days are going to start getting shorter. People are going to go back to their work routines if they weren't already. So just enjoy. All right. Catch you all next week. Stay safe. Look out for tight ends.